Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. All right, let me get set up here, uh, then we're going to go. God is good, amen? amen? I'm a little old school. I, I, uh, I used to do my notes on my laptop, but recently I've been doing them in a notebook because I just feel like I spend more time there. And so, um, and I bring my big Bible because uh, I can read it better. Uh, I can read the other one just fine. It's just this one's better, you know. <laughs> There's always, hey, listen, if the, I'm going to preach this. There's always room for improvement in your life. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so I, I can grow in that. But uh, okay, so uh, if you will, if you have your Bibles, you can kind of open to Genesis Uh, chapter 4, and that's where I'm going to be today uh, for a little while, and I'm going to preach today like I preach to our youth, and so recently I've been preaching to our youth uh, with no scripture on the screen and with no points uh, for a couple reasons. Here's why, and so this is just kind of letting you into our youth ministry. A couple reasons. I want our students to bring a Bible to church. Uh, I think that's important. We actually have Bibles uh, for our students. Uh, if they don't have a Bible, we give them one and then say bring it to church. Uh, because it's nice to have the, the scripture up there and, and, and it's better for you guys because you guys are established. You guys are good. But for our, my, for our youth kids, I want them to get in the habit of un, to know where the book of the Bible is when they open their Bible. They go find it. And, they, right? and it's tangible. And then also... Uh, for whatever reason, I feel like they pay attention better <laughs> if I do it this way. So, um, so we've been in a series uh, called Origins. And if you notice, it says Echo Youth. This is our kind of graphic from youth. We're a little bit more edgy than, uh, than uh, we are here on Sundays. But we've been in this series called Origins. And what I've been doing with the youth, and this year, every year, uh, Danielle and I just pray about and what is God doing in our youth group, and what does he want us to kind of press into? And over the years, it's been, you know, relationships, it's been discipleship, it's been outreach. And this year, we really felt that God was pushing us into really focusing, and we don't not focus on those other things, but we really felt God was wanting us to focus on biblical literacy in our youth ministry, uh, our youth kids knowing the Bible. And so what we've done, our first series here has been, we've been going through Genesis chapter by chapter. And... I thought they'd hate it, but they love it. I asked at a small group a couple of weeks ago, I asked our students, I said, hey, what do you want me to do next? You want me to preach on uh, something you guys are, are wondering about in life, like a hot topic, or do you want me to preach on like a, a, a letter from Paul? And they said, just go into Exodus. Like we're, we start with Genesis. I was like, all right, fine. So our next series is, series is going to be Exodus. But uh, there's the backstory of why I'm, why I'm preaching this. So I'm preaching a message I already preached to our Youth, that's why the junior hires were able to leave, or else I usually keep them in here. But, uh, and for those of you uh, high schoolers and college folks, I added some other stuff, so it'll be good too. If you take notes, uh, the title of today's message is going to be The Weight of Sin and the Weight of Glory. Remember say, The Weight of Sin and the Weight of Glory. I do that with the youth too, because they pay attention better when I do that. I think it works on adults too, so whatever. Um, Here's the thing, sin, sin is harmful, sin is dangerous, sin, if, if let run loose, is a death sentence. But what's interesting is we, we don't 
talk about sin all that often anymore, especially in today's culture and society, and especially in Orange County. A lot of times we can have this, this perception that we have it all together, right? That everything, well, everything's pretty good. Life is pretty good. And so we don't have a discussion about sin. We don't talk to our kids anymore about sin. We just talk to them about how much Jesus loves them, which is true. But here's the thing. I, I don't understand my need for a Savior if I don't understand the danger of my own sin. Right? And so I'm going to preach today uh, to all of you, but also especially to my youth peeps and, and especially to my parents in the room. Um, I'm not a professional parent. I am a parent now, but I haven't gotten to that stage. But what I do see is, is the ramifications of, of helpful and unhelpful parenting. Because I either am championing parents in youth group or I'm cleaning up messes. <laughs> if I could be, can I be brutally honest? Is that okay? And no parent's perfect, so even good parents sometimes have messes that they're grateful that a youth pastor can clean up. But, but we're talking about sin today, but we're also talking about God's glory. Because God's glory is heavy too. Sin's really heavy, but God's glory is heavier. Amen? It outweighs sin and, and, and forgiveness uh, washes away our sin, but we still need to talk about both. Amen. Just like I said, I don't. I don't realize my need for a savior unless I realize the danger of my sin. Put it this way: um, Everybody, think of the best burger you've ever had in your entire life. Ooh, it's usually right after the Daniel fast, and. But it's not really fair. Any burger after the Daniel Fest is good. Uh, but here's the thing, too. The, 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 the elevation of that best burger you've ever had is informed better by the worst burger you've ever had. Does that make sense? The, the, your understanding of how deep the ocean is it, it is directly related to, to, to the tallest thing you've ever seen. Right, so we have to have some sort of like guiding direction. And, and, and the worse burger I have, the better this one tastes, right? And so the more I realize how dangerous sin is and the more I'm, I'm truthful with myself and I'm truthful with my kids and I'm truthful with those around me about how dangerous sin is and how harmful it is, the better I understand God's grace and mercy. The better I understand how good he is. And it's not about focusing on sin. That's not what it is. I want to focus on Jesus. The only way to overcome addiction and sin is to focus on something else. Is to focus on Jesus. But here's the thing. I have to understand why I'm doing it. If I don't have a why, my sin is here and, and, and I'm going in, in the direction of Jesus. But if I don't understand why I'm doing it, I'll start walking and be like, why was I doing this? It's like the story, uh, it, it's always funny to me. My brother... Me and my brother are quite different, um, but we're getting to be closer as we get older. But when I was a little kid, uh, and just like Vince is picking up on this right now, but uh, I, sports and music was everything to me. And I just, I wanted to play ball. I, I, would, th I would play catch with my dad for hours uh, until he pulled something, and then we'd... And then we'd and then we go inside. One time I threw, I was like, I was like eight or nine. I threw the nastiest curveball, and it went right over my dad's uh, glove and hit him right in the eye. He had a shiner and, at church, and everyone's like, what happened? And he's like, I would say you should see the other guy, but it's my son. So, uh, But one time my dad, my brother's left-handed. He bought him a nice 
glove that goes on your right hand. It's a left-handed glove, but it goes on, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, but he goes to play catch with my brother, and my brother is sitting there, and they're playing catch, and my brother looks at my dad, and he goes, hey, dad. He's like, what? Why are we doing this? And dad's like, fine. We don't have to play ball. You know, like, why, why is this that? But the interesting thing was, if you know my brother, he's really analytical. He probably actually just needed a why. And so sometimes we're in our life and we're preaching, follow Jesus, focus on Jesus, run after Jesus. And some of you are like my brother who's like, why are we doing this? And the reason why we're doing this is because if we go this way, it means death. And not just death for us, death for our families, death for our loved ones. That's the weight of sin. But the weight of glory is so much better. Amen? I'm going to start preaching before I start preaching. (laughs) So, uh, we're going to talk about, first, the weight of sin. Is that okay, everybody? Uh, I'm going to build up the weight of sin, and then we're going to talk about the weight of glory, and then we're going to praise God uh, some more at the end, okay? So, Genesis chapter 4, if you've uh, been taking a sneak peek as you open your Bibles there, you might realize that this is the story of Cain and Abel. And the story of Cain and Abel is a really interesting one. I'll give some background while you're turning there or while you're getting ready. Uh, The backstory is uh, Genesis 1 is creation. Genesis 2 is talking about Adam and Eve. Genesis 3 is when they mess up. And uh, the interesting thing about uh, Adam and Eve messing up is, is their desire was to be like God. And the devil took that and made it evil. Because really, if our desire is to be like God, that's a good one, ain't it? And, and so if they did it out of disobedience, and there's the fall. If they would have done it in obedience, it's called Christ-likeness, right? So there's a certain switch. Before I get into the rest of it, anything, even if it seems good, if you do it in disobedience, it's harmful. They wanted to be like God, and they did it in disobedience, and, and there's the fall. Depravity. And so I, I, I preach this to our, our young people. Right now the hot topic is love. Love everybody. Love everybody always. Love is love. All this kind of stuff. Sure, but love done in disobedience to God is evil. Love done in obedience to God is righteous and holy. Amen? Um, and so, anyways, we see uh, Adam and Eve, they sin, and there's this kind of snowball effect that happens. And in the very next chapter, chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel are an interesting uh, set of brothers. Really because Cain is the first fully relatable human to us. He was born, he had parents, uh, he had a sibling. Um, and he's also the first one to murder somebody. So, like, <laughs> we didn't really start off very good. I like, didn't even take four generations. It was just one. It was like Adam and Eve... Murder. It's like, ah, man. God was probably like, I thought it would take a little longer than that. I'm just kidding. No, he knows. But, uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to read a, a little bit here. Uh, Genesis 4, 3 through 10. So Cain is the oldest son of Adam and Eve, and Abel is the next one. Okay? And so we're going to read here uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, uh, and we'll go from there. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. Mm. Lord, have mercy. You ever had like a really marbly steak? There's just a ton of fat in it. It just tastes way better. So Abel brought the, the fat <laughs> to, to God. 
God said yes and amen. Okay, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? There's a whole message in that. (laughs) And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Heavy. So there's three things I want to point out in this story, in the weight of sin, but specifically in the story so we can learn a little bit, a little bit more about it, and then, we're, and then we're going to go back to the weight of sin and the weight of glory, okay? So the first thing is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Sacrifice is so important, and it's, it's one, one of the, the most common themes in the Bible. Uh, people giving sacrifices to God. God sacrificing his son for us and then calling us to pick up our cross and sacrifice our lives for him. Why is sacrifice so important? Here's why sacrifice is so important. You can't love if you don't sacrifice. You can't. You can't be a functioning member of society if you don't sacrifice. If you can't weigh the options of what's good and what's bad and then sacrifice something for what you think is better for you and your family, life's not going to look good for you. Those of you in the room who have, who, have, who have been successful and who have seen God do mighty things in your life, you've sacrificed a little bit or a lot of it, <laughs> right? And us young people in the room, I'm going to still put myself in there because uh, I am. Uh, us young people in the room, we have to learn from that, that we don't just get everything we want. We don't get success in a 15-minute time frame, right? We want the trees that we see from the elders, but we're walking on all the seeds that they're planting for us. I want that. And there's seed right below us. And if we would just water it, maybe it'll grow. Amen? Sacrifice. We need to realize, young people, I'll speak to you specifically right now. We need to realize that we're not the most important person in the story of our lives. We're not. You're not the main character. Dang it. I really wanted to be Captain America in this story. I really wanted to, right? The hero of your story is Jesus. Every time. And when we realize that we're not the most important person in our own story, and that there's a bigger picture... And that we just are a small but important piece in the bigger picture. Life becomes so much easier. There's so much weight taken off our shoulders. You know why kids are, are struggling with anxiety? You know why kids are stressed? You know why kids are depressed at a higher rate than ever before? Because they think they're the hero of their own story. They think that they're the god of their own story. And, and, and they're on social media. And then the social media is telling them, be you. Go with your gut. Follow your heart. No. Follow God's heart. 
follow who God says we're supposed to be. This is what we should be teaching our kids, is that, that it's not about you. Vince is going to play on a sports team whether he's athletic or not. <laughs> because I want him to know he's not all that important. <laughs> he's important to me because he's my son, but in the grand scheme of the baseball team, if he strikes out, there's somebody else that can come after you and hit the ball. It'd be great if you didn't strike out, but if you, it's not the end of the world. You're not the hero of this story. Does that make sense, everybody? That we have to realize that, that it's Jesus' story. It's God's story. It, it, it's, not, it's not ours. Amen? Older folks, you're not off the hook either. We will see the fullness of God's plan for ourselves and our families if we, if we lay down everything. And this is where it gets hard as we get older. We have a harder time laying down everything because we've accumulated more stuff. What if God knocked on your door and asked for everything? Would we respond like Abel? Yeah, have it. The first and the best. Or would we respond like Cain? Um, Here's some. This should do, right, God? (laughs) Is that good enough? We have to give him everything. We have to sacrifice everything. Nothing, uh, as parents, nothing in your life should be more important than God. Um, and your kids should see that. And also, nothing, it should be God, it should be your spouse, and then your kids. The best way to parent uh, your kids is to love God and them to see it. Don't do it in private. Let them see it. And, uh, and to love your spouse and let them see that as well. Uh, and then they'll feel secure just off of that. And then you could love them as well. Amen? I think I read that in a book somewhere. So, um, <laughs> Everyone's like, who's this guy? His son's 18 months old. He can't tell me how to parent. But anyways, if it's from God, take it. I don't know. Number two. Everybody say number two. Number two, suffering. So we sacrifice and suffering. Here's the thing. Some suffering is unavoidable. Right? When we first moved here, six months after we moved here, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. What? God, I thought you spoke. I'm pretty sure you asked us to be here. Why does he have cancer? There's nothing we did. It's unavoidable. The loss of a loved one. Right? The first, I think the first message I ever preached on, on, on the weekend was uh, talking about just the pain and struggle Danielle and I had gone through uh, experience of miscarriage. We didn't do anything wrong. That sucks. Suffering. Betrayal. But on the other side of that, a lot of our suffering is self-inflicted. A lot of it is. In the world today, we, 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 we work in polar opposites. It's either all your fault or not your fault at all. It's somewhere in the middle, okay? There's things that happen that you can't, you can't understand or you can't control. But there are things you can't control. And if you look at your suffering, sometimes it's unavoidable, like cancer or betrayal or the loss of love. Sometimes you look at your circumstance, man, this sucks, I'm suffering. Oh, I did that. I made some choices back before that put me in this scenario. Cain is like, so mad, why would you do this to me? And God's like, you, you're the one who brought your least to me. 
And he's saying to Cain, if you would just act better, wouldn't you be better? Right? He said, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? He's like, Cain, this isn't hard, bro. (laughs) He said, yeah, I didn't like your offering, but next time bring a better one. And he's like, nope, I'm killing Abel. (laughs) That's it. It wasn't even Abel's fault. Abel didn't steal his best. Abel didn't do anything. But so oftentimes we're just like, no, the world is out to get me, right? It's like Chicken Little. The sky is falling, and it's falling disproportionately on me. I I don't know. I just can't catch a break. Maybe we need to make better choices. And, and, and sometimes it's not just about the choice. Sometimes it's about the, the choosing of an environment that we live in. This is where I'm going to talk to parents again. Parents, what environment is your kid in more often than not? Well, my kid's just having a really hard time. They're just struggling with a lot of things. They're just doing all this kind of stuff. And then all their friends are, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, are all messed up more than your kid. <laughs> Oh, no wonder. Right? That's why it's important to, to, to spend time with your kids, to, to get them to youth group, get them to church, every opportunity that you can. Because the, the environment's so important. The environment shapes us. If I sent you to live in Costa Rica for 10 years, you'd be tan, and you probably would have learned how to surf. If I send you to Montana for 10 years, you'd probably come back with a cowboy hat on, and you've rode some horses over your years. It's simple. It's the environment that you're living in. Right? People hear, oh, I've got really good tips of how to get sand off your feet coming back from the beach. I didn't know those tips when I lived in Washington. I knew how to, where to put my shoes because they had mud on them. It's simple. What environment are you in, and how is it shaping the behavior of your children? What environment are you in, and how is it shaping your behavior at home? Because here's the thing, as parents and as leaders, as whatever, our behavior is even more important than what we say. There was a student, I asked, I asked a student, I said, what's the best gift you've ever gotten? They said, I'm not really much of a gift person, but um, I noticed something about you uh, that even, you've gotten me some gifts, but what I've noticed more is about how you've treated me. And you made me feel worth something. Right? And so you can't just tell your kid, oh, God's important. Uh, we are, me and my house will serve the Lord and then never show up to church. They're like, wait, that doesn't add up. Right? Or me and my house will serve the Lord and then me and my spouse are we're cussing each other out because we're angry. But me and my house will serve the Lord. How about you serve the Lord <laughs> and then your house will follow. Amen? Sorry. <laughs> Choices ripple through generations. And let me show you how. This is the weight of sin, okay? So I, I'm, I'm preaching long, but it's okay. It's good. Um, Genesis chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. So uh, kind of backstory here. Uh, there's Cain and Abel, and then, and then there's some generations in between, right? And then there's this guy named Lamech or Lamech, however you want to pronounce it. 
Um, and so we had murder with Cain, and then now here's uh, Lamech, right? In, in verse 23, says, Lamech says to his wives, Adah and Zillah, listen to my voice, uh, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, pause right there. So uh, when, when Cain killed Abel and, and God said, this is the ramifications of your sin. There's going to be, people are going to come against you and it's going to be rough. And he's like, I can't even handle this. And I, I'm just, I, someone's going to kill me. And God says, well, in order for that not to happen, if someone kills you, you'll be avenged sevenfold. Okay. So a few generations later, Lamech says, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77fold. What he's saying is basically, if anyone comes against me, I hope you, your family, your cousins, and everybody you know dies. We went from eating a fruit to killing your brother to mass murder. In just a few generations. That's the weight of sin. It's heavy. And we might be thinking to ourselves as leaders, young people, old people, grandparents, parents, whatever, what I do doesn't really have that big of an effect on anybody around me. Yes, it does. The fruit turned into mass murder. And not to, like, put all this stress on you, but we got to seek after the weight of glory, not the weight of sin. Amen? We got to go after God. We got we to make, make that a priority in our life over everything else. If my job that is so... Uh, good for me, and it, and it pays, pays me well, and it, and it provides for my family, but if my job is getting in the way of me and God, I have to let it go, and, and we'll figure it out. If a relationship that I've loved for so many years is getting in the way of me and God, i got to let it go. I just have to. God has to take priority over everything, absolutely everything. If a lifestyle that I've loved to live for years is getting in the way of me and God, i got to let it go. Amen? It's heavy. Sin is heavy. Everybody's heard the phrase of generational curses, right? I don't like that phrase. I like generational choices. I think it's more accurate. I think there's, I think there's things for sure that seem to kind of hover around our families, but if you trace it all the way back, it was a generational choice we made that bled into the history of our families. We've all heard of folks. There's six generations of alcoholics in, my, in, in, in the family, and, and, and someone stops it, right? Or maybe you're in that family. There's seven generations of divorce in your family, and you're like, what am I going to do? And maybe you've already been there. Maybe you're like, what do I do now? Right? I was the seventh generation of divorce. I got remarried. What am I going to do now? I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to, I'm going to push through. I'm, I'm, this, is, this, is, this is how I'm going to be faithful to God. Amen? Or, or maybe it's like, man, I, I was the seventh or the fourth generation of alcoholism, and I, and I quit. What am I going to do now? I'm going to, I'm going to stay faithful because I don't want that to start for my kids. Amen? We could choose sin or we could choose Jesus. Amen? So here's the weight of glory. And to... to kind of express it well. We're going to turn to John um, chapter 7, verse 18, really quick, and then I'm going to go to the main one, uh, and then we'll be done. John chapter 7, verse 18 says, 
He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is Jesus speaking about himself, but it's a lesson to us. That seeking glory from people is wrong. Seeking glory from God is righteous. Amen? So we're going to go after the weight of glory. So Matthew chapter 18, real quick, real quick. I'm fine. I'm doing all right. Don't be rushed. (laughs) Matthew chapter 18, this is the weight of glory. So we talked about the weight of sin. An apple to mass murder. We got it? (laughs) Right? We're there. And we've seen the weight of sin in our own families. We've seen the weight of sin in history. Uh, and, and, and we're wondering about the choices we need to make uh, as young people. The choices. And that's the thing. Just because young people, you're not parents or you're not, doesn't mean that your choices don't have weight either. They do. Because you're either going to set yourself up for success now or you're going to hold yourself back and be behind 10 years and then make more decisions as you bring people into this that last for generations as well. So, the weight of glory, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. So remember, we have Lamech, if Cain is avenged seven times, I'll be avenged 77 times. Are we good? Remember that? Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times 7. In both cases, in Lamech's case and in Jesus' case, it's just supposed to be a big number. <laughs> Here's the thing. There, when the law of Moses came about, there was a thing called the eye for an eye. Everybody heard that? An eye for an eye, right? Murder replaces murder. Sin replaces the same sin. It's fair. And that was better than Lamech. <laughs> it was better because it would stop it, right? Jesus takes it a step further and says, listen, here's the thing that we need to remember as we read the, as we read this, the text, we read the scripture. Uh, the people that Jesus is talking to here, every single one of them would have had uh, the Old Testament basically memorized. So when Jesus says, no, not seven times, 77 times, all of them knew exactly what he's talking about. What he's talking about is that there was a weight of sin that went from a fruit to seven times vengeance to 77 times vengeance. And what Jesus is saying, in that same way that you saw destruction in the history of Israel, I want to see forgiveness and grace and mercy in your family that starts by just forgiving someone and keep forgiving them and keep forgiving them with the same kind of anger and angst that that Lamech had towards people. I want you to have the same kind of joy and love and and the same kind of grace and mercy towards people saying that if you keep coming against me, I'm going to keep forgiving you. Why? Because Jesus said I would. And and some people are like, "But, but isn't that dangerous? Maybe, but it was pretty dangerous for Jesus to go on the cross for you and for me. It was pretty dangerous. It was pretty dangerous for, for, for Jesus to be on the cross, uh, hanging up there, bleeding out. They're pouring vinegar on his open wounds and him saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they do. What? He just kept forgiving. He kept forgiving. He kept forgiving. The person next to him said, man, you are the son of God. He goes, join me in paradise. Forgiveness. <laughs> on the cross, he was handing out forgiveness like Oprah Winfrey. You get a car. You get a car. You get forgiveness. Everybody gets forgiveness. That's the weight of glory. What do you want for your family? What do you want for your life? Do you want to see it go from a fruit to something incredibly terrible? Or do you want to start something different 
that we can switch the course of history. We, we, can, we can make our family a family remembered by forgiveness, remembered by grace, remembered by mercy. We can make this church a church of forgiveness and grace and mercy. We can, does it make sense, everybody? Jesus wants you to leave genera- generational blessings, not generational curses. Both are generational choices, though. Forgiveness is for the other person, yes, and forgiveness is more for you, yes, we talk about that all the time, but forgiveness is for your kids, too. I, that I'm going to break the shackles of, of, of bondage to hatred, to violence, to sin by forgiving those who sinned against me so that I might be forgiven as well. May we be a people of generational forgiveness, a people of immense grace. And here's what I'm ending with. I told the band to come up, but they never came up, so. <laughs> that's, pa- that's called passive aggressiveness. At the beginning, I didn't tell them during this, but I said, hey, when Mikey comes up, everybody come up. And so I was about to end right there, but now i got to wait. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so bad. I could do this because I was the worship. All right, I'll take them all out to dinner later after. And Sorry. What's the signal? We're getting close. Okay. Here's the thing. The Bible says Abel's blood cried out as Cain took vengeance. God says, your brother's blood is crying out from the ground to me. Right? Abel's blood cried out from the ground as Cain took vengeance. And Jesus' blood was poured out so that we might choose grace. We might choose forgiveness. So in the same way, Cain's blood is crying out of an evil poured out, Jesus' blood cries out that you might say, would you forgive me? Jesus' blood cries out so that you might say, I forgive you, right? And so let's choose grace and and we're gonna pray and and I'm gonna do something different. Everybody close your eyes, but would everybody stand up with me? Because we're gonna worship and we're gonna take time. We're going to sing a song about amazing grace because I feel like it's fitting. (laughs) But here, would you close your eyes real quick? And all around this room, young, old, deacon, pastor, it doesn't matter. If you think, man, I need to choose a different path. I need to choose a life of forgiveness. I need to choose a life of grace and mercy. Would you just raise your hand as high as you possibly can? Amen, amen. And for those of you in this room that have never accepted Jesus, this, this, is, a, this is a moment. I'm not going to ask you to pray a prayer after me. I'm not going to ask you to. The Bible says if you believe, right? So just believe with us. And those of you that are raising your hands to change the course of history in your family, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to join alongside of you. Here's the thing that I'm so grateful. I, I am a, a fourth-generation pastor. There's legacy in my family that I'm going to keep going because I can also stop that and create a legacy that's that's bad for my children but I'm not going to, right? I'm going to live a life of forgiveness and so let's pray together. Lord, you see the hands in this room. You see the people uh, who have their hearts lifted up. You see the, the everyone in this room, God, that wants to choose a different path for their families, for their loved ones, God, for their, for their own lives. God, we... We put down sin, God, we, 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 we put away our, our desires, 
God, we realize that we're not the hero of our story. You are. And so, Lord, help us to, to follow you with everything that we have, God, to, to like you said, to, to not just... To not just go eye for an eye, but God, we're going to go 77-fold of forgiveness, 77-fold of grace, 77-fold of mercy, 77-fold of love, God, all in obedience to you because you're good and you're merciful and you, and you forgave us. God, you're, 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 you saved me, you're, you're saving me, and you're going to save me all the way through my life, God. And so we lift you up, God. We pray for every person in this room, God, that you would lead them, you would guide them, you would, you would show your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.